Flat Out RC Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. I'm talking about radio control planes, helicopters, and drones. My name is Andrew Sill, coming to you all the way from Melbourne, Australia. It's summer down here in Melbourne. I've been uh, seeing a few posts online from those up in the Northern Hemisphere, and they're looking out the window and it's snowing. Well, our winter will come. Sooner or later, just keeps on going around in circles. But what the weather? What's the weather been like down here? Well, it's summery uh, where I am in Melbourne, Australia today. A bit overcast, a bit windy. Haven't been able to get out flying this weekend. But anyway, great time to be spending some time recording a podcast. And today, got a great guest, Tony Wilson, all the way from the Bairnsdale Club down here in Victoria. Uh, he's going to find out a bit more about his flying activities, and then a bit about the Bairnsdale Club, and and really want to cover some events that are coming up. It's something that I'm looking forward to doing that I hoped to do last year, but due to COVID, couldn't really talk about events because there weren't any. But uh, as events come through the year, some of the bigger events, I'll get people on to talk about their upcoming events and what the plans are for them, give them a bit of a plug and find out more basically. So stay tuned. Before we get to our special guest in Tony Wilson, I wanted to just have a bit of a chat about what's been happening around the traps and uh, something that caught my attention online, which was interesting. And it was a uh, a, a comment that Ali Machinchi, Ali Machinchi, who we've had on the podcast here, a big name in the hobby, uh, develops a lot of models, works for Horizon Hobbies, and is really a true top-notch uh, aero modeler, produces, uh, builds a lot of great planes and and sometimes pays for other people to build planes for him you know if, if it's outside of his scope especially some of the large scale stuff and there was a photo put on a some sort of facebook group and about uh ali's f86 saber 122 inch wingspan turbine jet and the photo showed this, this beautiful aircraft done in a military style of scheme but the scheme wasn't accurate to the traditional f86 saber jet and so a lot of people jumped online and started to sort of a bit of hate going on towards ali in relation to not having a scheme that was true to to real life and i just want to read out ali's response and he, he normally doesn't respond in this way but i thought that it was something interesting to share and to see what your thoughts were but he he wrote this and this is in response to a whole bunch of people getting online and saying that um oh how dare he and you know just having gold in for not producing a scheme that was was accurate to the real life. And he said, uh, so this is what Ali had sent on Facebook. You guys are aware that this is a toy plane, right? It was purchased and flown by myself and I paid a professional model builder, Richard Muller, to build it for me. And I specified exactly how I want it built and painted. I even suggested he use his initials on the tail. Why did I do that? Why did I ask for sidewinders to be put under the wing? Why did I ask for it to be painted in a fictitious color scheme? Because I could and because I was bored to death of yet another variation of the same old F-86 scheme being applied to a model. I don't understand why some of you get so bent over this. It's a toy. Why cannot why cannot I not? Why cannot I not? That's not right, Ellie. Why can I not type that without thinking of Woody from Toy Story? So it puts a bit of humor into it. Uh, I would get it if I was saying that it was a rendition of a jet that was flown by Korean War Race, Richard Tickler or whoever. Then I could understand people getting all wadded up about it, but it's not. It's an RC model aircraft that serves no life-changing purpose. I like that last sentence. It's an RC model aircraft that serves no life-changing purpose. What I sometimes feel is that, uh, no, first of all, as far as his F-86 goes, it's a beautiful aircraft. And personally, 
I'm not sure what 100% what the most accurate scheme is supposed to be for a Sabre jet. I just don't have that kind of knowledge. So when I look at that jet, I appreciate it for the model that it is. Now, if Ali wants to go and make it in his own scheme, whatever, like for example, here's a Viper jet in the Super Chipmunk scheme, which I think is an absolutely beautiful aircraft. Well, good on Ali for doing that. And it sort of comes to this point where sometimes people can take the hobby too seriously. I mean, I've had people over the years get sort of aggressive with me because when I had my magazine, I referred to petrol-powered motors as gases, and they'd say, oh, that's an American term, and we're here in Australia, and we don't use that term. Well, I wrote back and said, look, it's a reference that the industry use around the world that they build gases, you know, those petrol-powered, not nitro, but petrol-powered uh, sort of powered aircraft. And so some people just take it too seriously and I'm finding that it even extends not only to models but it also can extend into flying clubs where some people just like to take you know get small things and blow them out of all proportion and take things just way too seriously because at the end of the day as Ali said it's an RC model aircraft that serves no life changing purpose it's a lot bigger issues in the world than flying model aircraft and Ali has got the correct scheme on his plane so bit disappointing to see but of course facebook is a free forum where people can share their opinions and we just have to deal with it but ali stated his opinion wondering what yours is send me a message get onto the flat out rc website and send me a message if you if you disagree with me or if you do agree with me love to hear what your thoughts are on the matter but ali you're a legend uh great aero modeler and it's people like him that push our hobby forward not only through his commercial work that he does with horizon hobby and giving us models to build and to to fly and enjoy but also through his example that he sets through the models that he builds. So I'm on your side, Ali. It's not that serious. Guest time and a great guest this week, a man that I've had numerous chats with. His name is Tony Wilson, all the way from the uh, the Bansdale Club. Uh, uh, Tony's a really, really proactive guy for the club and really focused on uh, promoting the club and promoting aero modeling. And we've had every chat that we've had is really about events and some of the activity they're trying to put in place at the Bansdale club to, to encourage and invite people to attend the club, whether they be from the local area or further abroad. And as you see through our chat, you'll see all the events that they're running and uh, how the field's being used, but uh, awesome, awesome field, awesome club that is really, uh, kicked along by people such as uh, Tony. So it was, it was my pleasure to have Tony uh, get online and, and have a chat with me. So over to my chat with good guy, Tony Wilson. Joining me today is a man by the name of Tony Wilson, all the way from out Gippsland Way. Tony, where are you actually from again? So I live in Wisely, which is about 25 k's um, the lake's entrance side of Bairnsdale. Okay, so what we're talking about uh, is what we call it, Eastern Victoria, east of Melbourne, the Gippsland area. Tony, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, Tony and I are just having a chat off air, and it's amazing when I uh, ask guests to come on. A lot of people say to me, oh, I don't have anything to say. But I can tell you now, Tony's got a lot to say, and we're going to get get into cover a lot of different things. Now, Tony, you're from the Bensdale Club, correct? Yep, that's right. Now, we're going to talk a lot about the Ben Style Club a bit later and some of your upcoming events. But before we do, where did uh, your journey in aero modeling begin? 
Well, it was back in the 70s. Um, my father was into control line planes and that sort of sparked the interest for me. Um, yeah, he had a silly diesel engine in it, which I don't think I could ever start. Never have still today. I've still got it. Um, but yeah, then I moved on to, I got the, the plastic PT-19, I think, was it? Um, yeah, the Cox the kit. Blue things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah with a little uh, Cox motor. So yeah, some mates and I had, uh, had a couple of them and, and sort of played with them for a while. Um, yeah, Dad helped me build a control line Spitfire. And that was pretty cool. It lasted half a flight. <laughs> Don't you hate it? Well, a couple of points there. First of all, those plastic little PT whatevers, they were in every hobby shop. They were everywhere. I just remember in the 80s, you could still get them. And I wish I had one. I just, I wish I had one in a brand new box just sitting there to look at. But yeah, they were everywhere. But uh, that story of you got all that trouble to build a plane back then and it lasted half a flight. How did it end? And why did well, it end? I think we had too much on the rudder and it um, it just disintegrated. It, uh, it it pulled away too hard. Yeah, we, the dynamics went right. Something we did was very wrong. Yeah, well, so you learned from that. And the, the other thing you mentioned is diesel engines. And, you know, um, little story, I was over the Christmas hol- holidays down here. I was at one of the clubs that I'm a member of and a guy had a diesel motor and it was the first one I had ever seen running. And I've seen photos of them, of course. And of course, you had a bit of trouble getting it running well, but it was so nice to see, and and just everything about it, and and it was so much fun because he put it in this model, this radio control model, and it really was underpowered. It literally, he tried to take off about four times, four attempts to get off the ground, and he just kept on moving the plane further and further back in the runway to give him more of a a, a run up, and he finally got it off, and it was just. He was having a ball with it. So you, you need to get that diesel going again. People love them. One day. One day. Yeah, yeah, one day. I'm not holding my breath. So you, you you got into the control line, and then how did you get into the radio control side of things? Yeah, well, I, um, it's a little bit hazy, how hazy that one. I, a friend gave me a 40-sized high-wing trainer um, with, with the best intentions to help me fly it. And at that stage, I was living in Wheelers Hill, and... A mate came around and egged me on. I said, come on, let's get down the park and fly it. And peer, peer group pressure got me. So off we went down to the local park. And it took off, went up, and I don't know what happened, but it came straight back down into a, you know, took it home in a shopping bag. And, uh, yeah, but that still, it, it ignited the flame. I said, yeah, I'm going to do more of these. So that's when I started building kits. Obviously, back then, that was sort of all you really could do. Yeah. And um, what was your, your kit of choice back then? Was it a particular well, train, I had to build a trainer to replace that one, and I cannot for the life of me remember what it was, but it was a Kraken plane. I don't even know where it ended up. Um, but I built a Prelude glider, if you remember those. Yeah, I remember them. They were, they were popular. And, yeah, there was two versions of the wing, so I built both versions of the wing, and I actually never flew that um, for some unknown reason. I also built a 40-size Super Sportster. Yeah. And an old pilot kit that... The mate gave me of a Sphinx Acromaster, which uh, I don't know if you've heard of that plane before. Yeah. Now, was that so? We're, are we talking sort of in the eighties here? Yeah, this is early eighties. Yeah. yeah, you can tell. Like, yeah. All those names are, are familiar names when I was younger, and you know, I was actually interesting just on Facebook. I saw somebody ask something a question about the Prelude glider, so they still uh, they're still around there. You know, people are still interested in some of that old stuff, and even that that Super Sports though, it's still a classic 
design, really. And so you said you were in Wheelers Hill back in, in Melbourne and were you flying at a club? Did you join a club by that stage or were you still just going down to the park? And- it was the park, but I ended up at PN Darks uh, for a while once after I got my licence. Um, you know, it's just hard to get, it's harder for a kid to get places unless your your folks are dedicated, as you know. And yeah, yeah. Look, I, I've I've got a deaf brother and sister and and stuff. So you know, there was there's always they were older than me, and um, there's always stuff for the parents to do. And your know, dad was pretty flat out working, and uh, yeah, that's not their fault. I got my licence and I took myself eventually, and yeah, the the rest is sort of history. There, I um I really loved it, but I did fall out of the sport, unfortunately, for uh, for some time. Uh, and, and you know that's generally because I got a job. I took up an apprenticeship uh, as carpenter joiner. Um, so what that I was a carpenter for uh, about seven years, and then I threw my hat in the ring to join the police force. Mm. And so, so that kept. So I can see how you didn't have time for for aero modelling, being 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 busy with career and whatever. And um, you didn't get into cars and things like that though. In the meantime. Well, I, I, I sort of did, not as much as you did from, from your previous podcast, but uh, yeah, an LH Tirana, um, three on the tree, 173. She was a ripper, and I wish I still had it. Oh, imagine if you had it now, how much it would be worth. Yeah, but yeah, I did tinker with that, and yeah, stupid me, put a four-speed box in it, and that sort of dumb stuff, um, as, as kids do. See, the reason, anyway. the reason why I ask those questions is just, just checking that you're like everybody else, every other male, that had a break from the hobby because I got into cars, but, and then, so let's just fast forward then. What brought you back into the hobby after that sort of hiatus? Well, my goal with the water, I'm sorry, with the with Victoria Police was to join the Water Police from day one. That was my goal, um, which I think it's seven years in the police force. I got a, finally got a job at the Water Police in, in Melbourne um, or at St Kilda at that stage. And... 14, 15 or so years ago, I got a job at being uh, at, back at uh, Gippsland here, at Gippsland Water Police, and uh, I'm now the officer in charge here. Um, so getting up here just gave me time to, to sort of relax and do stuff. So I got back into building, which I must admit, I, I probably I probably love building just as much as I love flying. And when you came back, like what, what kind of planes were you getting into? I reckon you'll guess. <laughs> Warbirds. 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 So I bought a, a top flight gold edition Spitfire kit and built that in the, in, it was actually in the garage of my parents' place because uh, we just moved up here. And yeah, love it. Still got it. You've seen it fly and nose over. I've probably got photos of it nosing over down at the Bansdale <laughs> Club. We know it's just something about Warbirds. Like I love the look of Warbirds. I've never actually owned one personally myself. Um, you know, it's something that I just I don't have that a strong connection to warbirds as some people do, but I I love the look of them. You know, one of my favourite planes is a Mustang. I I just love the look of the Mustang. But wow. um, but yeah, coming down to Bensdale and watching planes, just know all the warbirds nose over. I'm thinking, gee, why do they keep on doing that? They seem to be so hard to get on the ground and get off the ground, kind of thing. So, uh, but yeah, you've yeah. still got that, and so. You know, with your with your warbirds, do you fly them aerobatically, or is it something that you've you've tried to develop, or you know, how would you describe your flying? Well, I, I try to fly them as scale as possible. So, you know, if they did it in real life, that's what I, I try and emulate. But you know, I took that to Wagga. It was my first ever visit to Wagga, and I took it and competed with it. Um, 
and then I, I, I was awoken. I was, I saw, I saw models by like Alf Williams and, uh, like, wow, that's a scale model. So I had some work to do and I'll never forget watching Anthony Ogle had a, a top flight giant scale Mustang. Um, and he was flying that incredibly. And I thought that's my next plane. And, and it was, so I, when I got home, I, I built, I built Mustang and it loved it. That plane had so many flights. Um, I dug a big hole with it, but <laughs> it, it had a lot. And it was, and it was such a nice plane to fly. It didn't nose over and it didn't do silly things with flaps on. It was a great plane. Yeah. The, um, what kind of sizes of planes are you, do you like? You know, they generally bigger or? or well, they are like... now. Yeah. So I've, um, I've just finished, uh, during COVID, I finished a, a 96 inch, uh, Spitfire, which was from, uh, Smith Composites. Uh, so composite fuse, the large foam core wing, um, 55 DLE in that one. Um, and that's had two flights to date. And, uh, it, and guess what? It's nosed over once. So I've <laughs> found one prop. <laughs> there you go. But, but yeah, how's the composite work on it? It's a pretty strong fuselage. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, Trent did an awesome job um, putting those together. So it seems to be the way of the future, these composite fuselages. That everyone's everyone's using them. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've seen um, one of the challenges, I think, with, with composite is with smaller sizes. So let's just say up to 30 cc's. It's the extra weight that some of them have in them, and but that that concept of um uh, 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 the wings can be heavy, um like if I look at my my jet that's a full composite jet, the wings are compared to say a balsa or a foam core wing are, are quite heavy, and that changes the roll characteristics. And I, I've spoken to some manufacturers in China and stuff who played around with composites and they couldn't get the small planes sort of fly the way that they wanted to. The, it was aerobatic planes, but. Uh, I think that um, you know I have had a, a composite, a Cirrus, the Hangar Nine Cirrus, had a composite fuselage with with built up wings, and that was beautiful. And the robustness of the uh, of the composite material I do like because I do more damage in the hangar than I do flying the planes half the time, and and plus also the detail that you can build into them. That's why a lot of manufacturers have built Cubs and things like that because you can actually manufacture them okay out of balsa, but there's other more complex shapes that you just can't do and so composite is it and as one guy told me in china that it's harder to get balsa and so they are looking at at moving to composite plus you need less labor to build a composite plane than what you do a balsa plane you know, he was telling me he needs four people to build a balsa plane he needs two to build a composite plane so i think you're right i think that there will definitely be a move and the work with carbon fiber, and we see that with a lot of the gliders, they're just phenomenal. The work that they do with carbon fiber, but it's expensive. Yeah, maybe we can uh, start a business building carbon fiber models for people who got too much money. Now, um, your son's into flying as well, isn't he? Oh yeah, I was I was going to cover that. So I'm he's not into building or repairing. <laughs> so I, I'm running a shop with you're trying to keep two two modelers. On the go, and he's got more planes than me now. Um, he sort of sold off all my small stuff because I've just gone petrol. I just keep it simple. Um, he's he's so he's got himself a, a hanging on. Uh, what is it? A Cessna, a one eight two Cessna. Oh, they're great. The thirty cc size, but it's big. Yeah, thirty cc. So he loves that. He bought that second hand, and, and he loves that. And he's bought a uh, Yak fifty four from one of your uh, young lads that you had on your podcast, like Harrison Ritter. 
Yes, yeah. yeah. So he bought that, and uh, he's, he's flown that a few times and loves it. So I think that's the way he's going uh, with his with his flying. So he, he keeps the he keeps the Cessna for for good, and he flies the Yak all the time. But he also has this electric stick. Yeah. This is the second one, and he loves them to bits. I suppose because he can just chuck it out there, fly it, limber up the fingers, and then we'll get the Yak out and have a fly at it. Yeah, it's actually. I agree with him in a way that some of those planes that I always say it's nice to have one of those planes that it's just reliable and you don't fuss over it. It's just, it's it's less less pressure on you. And I've yep. got a few like that where you know they might not look very pretty, but you just do it to yeah, like you said, limber the fingers up and then bring out the nice stuff for the big events like that Cessna. I, I really love that. I love scale Cessnas because they just look so real in the air. Them and um, Pawnees. Pawnees always look real real in the air, but the Cessnas are just a great-looking model in the air. Um, yeah. And the, the Hangar 9 one, was yeah, that was top-notch. And then the aerobatic plane. Well, I'm an aerobatics guy as well, but uh, a friend of mine, actually, I saw one fly for the first time. That It was a Flex, Flex Innovation or Aviation. Flex make the yeah. um, make that yak, and it was the Kike Zomanzini designed it. Uh, made in Vietnam. It was an affordable model, and uh, a friend of mine was doing full-on 3D with it, um, and it was fine. He, it was a, a nice plane, so he's, he's got a few good models there. He sure has. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, getting onto the Bairnsdale Club and the main reason of getting you on is because you're quite active with the club, and, and um, I've been really impressed. We've had a lot of chats, you know, about what you're doing down there, and to me, you're one of the eager beavers trying to, do good for the club, and I and I really love that. Tell us a bit about the um, the club down at um, Bairnsdale. Yeah, so when I when I came back into flying, when I moved back up to East Gippsland, the Bairnsdale Club was located near the tip um, in in, East, in Bairnsdale, and it was where they get their their cells, their their dump. They so they dig big holes at one end, and they make a make a mountain at the other end, and next week it'd be the other way around, and it became really awkward for everyone to fly, um, especially bigger models, which we're all getting into. Um, and I was at, I was there for a few years and then sort of dropped off away from the hobby because I had twins, Darcy and Amber. And um, so while I was gone, the next committee um, rallied and sourced some land and got um, MAAA to purchase uh, the state field for, for Eastern uh, Victoria, which... Is the field we're at now, which is in uh, on Bengwarden Road in Goonua, so it's uh, it's about twelve kilometres out of Bensdale, um, and uh, a, ma- a mountain of work they did there to get what what a great facility we've got now. It's yeah, it's brilliant. Well, I remember I remember when the Bensdale Club sort of became the custodian of the of that land, and um, you know that VMAA pushed to have uh, our own their, their own fields and buy land that you know is protected for flying is i think it's a great strategy and having one down you know in the eastern part of victoria means we've sort of covered the compass now as far as um clubs clubs to go to and i've been i've been down the benzel club as you know and it's just a phenomenal piece of land it is it's one of those those places you just like to go because it's such a lovely environment the outlook from the field the the grass is green the flying space is awesome uh and so it's it's but but as you said a lot of work went into it how long do you how many years do you think it took it really to to get it to a decent level oh we're still going andrew (laughs) it's um 
Oh, look, they worked pretty hard. Obviously, the, the strip was the, the most important part of any field. Uh, so that that was up and running, obviously, first. Um, we got shedding for the for the for the mowers. We've actually got a shed that stores models during during events. Sometimes um, we've got a kitchen and a, a secretary's office, um, and and now we've got a pit shelter which is thirty six meters long. Um, so we've we've managed to obtain some grants from various places to to, to it was twelve meters originally, and we've tacked one on each end of that. So fully undercover, we've got solar solar power on that uh, shelter, so all the electrics can be charged on site, which which is fantastic. But look, it's a work in progress. We're, we've got a projects list I'm working on at the moment, which is going to prioritise everything we want to do next, how much it's going to cost. So when those grants pop up, it's really easy to do because I know, you know, the, the, the stress people get when there's a grant, you'd be running around trying to get quotes and, and stuff. So that's sort of what I'm working on at the moment. And are there a, a group of like, members that really pitch in like is it is a kind of club where you know there are many hands to help out or is it just a handful of people that are really you know driving the development look yeah there is there is a core group that is always out there we've got we've got some fantastic um blokes who have our, our, our groundskeepers we've got two guys there um graham and and rob who you know they love that field and they manicure it weekly it's uh, yeah, fantastic, and to have people like that take it away from the rest of us to not have to worry about it—that's the sort of people you need. Um, we've got uh, Jeff, who who's been running our saucy sizzles at Bunnings for the last seven or eight years, um, for for a year, and like organises the whole lot, gets the volunteers together. Like that's a job in itself. Um, to have you know, and that the income we get from that is is great. It's and it's income we wouldn't get if he wasn't doing that. So. Yeah, look, there's lots of people. I'm not going to name everyone, but everyone, yeah, most people chip in. But, you know, you, you, you're working bees, you generally see the same sort of faces um, as you do at, uh, at committee or general meetings, should I say, same sort of faces. But, uh, yeah, it's all about delegating too, and I probably could be a bit better at that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, but it's interesting, like, as I said, visiting the club, you can see the effort that's gone in there from starting with a blank canvas. And... It is what you've developed is at a high standard. So, you know, as you said, you've got the undercover pit area, you've got a good, you know, kitchen and clubhouse and and, and everything's relatively new because it's a relatively new kind of space. But it shows that there's something right that's happening at the club because there's plenty of other clubs that have got newer fields that haven't developed them to the level that, that you guys have out there in Bansdale. And even comparing to other other state fields as well that um, some of the host clubs really struggle to keep on develop, developing the, the land to where they want to get it to. But Bansdale's managed to do that in, in a much shorter period of time. And this, as an outsider coming into that region, that Gippsland region, I've always, you know, I've been to, you know, the events at Sale and, and at Bansdale and there's just something happening at that, that area of the world where the local flying community seem to support each other quite well. Is it something that that you you do on purpose? Is that you know if the sale club's running an event, you'll go and support them, and vice versa? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've got a good relationship with with uh, Ian, who, who's the president down there at Sale, and we'll always contact each other when we've got an event coming up um, because it's yeah, like it, we go to their field and they come to ours. It's great fun. It's great camaraderie, camaraderie and yeah, it, and there is something going on out here because we've we've jumped ten members. We've got fifty five members now at the club. 
um, 10 members in, well, since COVID started. Yeah, that that's interesting because you know, we've been we've been talking about how you know clubs are, are not like they used to be, but um, even my local club, I noticed in the last newsletters at least six new members that things seem to be flying in certain pockets. And where do you, what do you think is driving that that growth at Bensdale? Oh, I don't know. Well, well, Painesville is a sort of a good place for people to retire, and we do have an aged an aged membership. Um, I'm 51, and I'm I think I'd be still below the average age of members. We've only got three junior members, um, and I'm driving to get that. I need to get that fixed, or we we need to get that fixed. Um, just for the future of the club, really. Well, it's interesting. At, at, I mentioned my club's growing, but um, we're getting young kids as well as, as their parents. Uh, I know that there's another two young kids that have recently joined the Packenham Club, where I'm, I'm a member of, which is great to see. So, And their, their fathers, some of them were aeromodelers and are coming back with their sons now. Um, but as you said, it's, it is... I'm a big believer that we've got to look after the future by keeping the numbers there uh, because that helps keep a lot of the clubs viable. Uh, and every I always say every action has a reaction and you're one of those persons, and I don't want to pump your tyres up too much so you get a big head, but you're always striving to promote the club and promote the hobby, which some clubs really don't like doing. Now, I go to some clubs where they say, we don't need more members, we're happy with what we've got and... I've had one one president of a club say we've worked out that by the last when the last person dies at this club, you know the hobby's going to be pretty much over, and so we don't care about the future kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm younger than you guys. Uh, I'd like to still be coming here when I'm in my seventies and have that that opportunity. So there is a bit of narrow mindedness going on, but it brings me to your event calendar, and you sent me a message the other day, and. I just want to go through some of them. And the first one that's coming up is um, this Saturday, Saturday the 13th of February, 9am at the Bensdale District's Model Aero Club. It's a come and try RC flying day. Now, tell me a bit about that because this is something that I would love to see every club too in their local area is run one of these. Tell me a bit about the background behind the event and what, what you're going to cover. Yeah, well, I, I've been wanting to do it. Um, and that podcast you have with those four young lads, that was one of the answers they gave you, you know, how would we get more juniors? And that's what they said, you know, have come and try days. So spurred me on. Um, uh, at, so at the meeting we decided, yep, yeah, we'll do it the day before one of our other events so it can lead into that. And, yeah, everyone's really keen. Like our older guys are, are fantastic. We've got three, four instructors, um, but a lot of other people who, uh, highly competent. Um, I don't know if you've, you've heard the name Tom Prosser come up. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's, he's an aerobatics gun was back Tom, in the day. Yes, yeah. Tom is a Tom is a fantastic pilot, and he's a member of our club, and more than help, more than happy to help anybody who needs help and, and offer advice. But he's one of one of many one of many people. You know what the biggest problem we're having is what mode people are flying on. <laughs> um, everyone's everyone's coming in wanting to fly mode two because it's the mode of champions. Mode of wannabe, full size, I say. But yeah. Oh, I'm a mode tour. It's great. <laughs> yes, I know. But look, I started mode one and I'm not changing now. So, yeah, just just lining people up with, with the mode that they choose with our instructors is is going to be a drama. But, yeah, so that was the idea. Get get as many people as we can. So we've advertised. I've advertised it on Facebook. 
local schools. Um, it's been pinned up, pinned up in shops around town. And look, if we can get five people to come along, I, I, I reckon mission accomplished. Um, obviously, some people are hoping for a lot more than that. Um, we're going to have a flight simulator set up with the computer in the in the club room, and there's going to be numerous planes for people to fly, which which will be great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and I hope it I hope it works. That's that's awesome. I think uh, you know, especially with the young young kids, is getting their hands onto it. Uh, as quickly as you can will, will, might spark that interest. And uh, you're doing everything right. I love the idea of you know, getting them on the simulator so they understand the basics of the stick controls and then you can get them onto, onto the full size. What kind of aircraft are we talking about? There's a few trainers there, a few foamies and things like yeah, that? Yeah, so there'd be more. Yeah, so I think there's an apprentice, uh, which has got a gyro and everything. In it. So I've never flown a plane with a gyro, but I hear they're, they're pretty easy. Um, and there's one of the members got an old timer, so just rudder elevator. He's more than happy just to throw that up there and give them the transmitter. So we'll see how that one goes. Uh, but we've also got buddy leader boxes and and other trainers, a club trainer, which is just a forty size high wing. So yeah, look, there's a, there's a choice. There's a choice, and everyone will bring along their 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 own easy to fly planes, and there'll be ample of planes for people to look at. And there'll also be planes. And like my Spitfire, I'll take that along and I'll have it on display, um, just so you can see where you can go with with the, the sport. Yeah, um, that's actually, you know what, that's a really good aspect of a come try day that I, I didn't necessarily come to mind is also showing people the pathway and getting them excited to see some of the other aircraft flying because as we know, you know, most training aircraft aren't the most, aren't the coolest planes at the field, you know, but they're, they're very practical for that learning phase. But getting people excited, for me, you know, I couldn't wait to get an aerobatics plane, but I knew that I had to, Learn how to fly competently first on my trainer um, before I could move move to that step. But uh, yeah, giving them that 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 ability to have that vision as to where they can go is awesome. So yeah, definitely having a few planes there is awesome. So um, yeah, look, you really uh, it's it's a great event. It's a great event, and is it is it one of the first ones you've done down at Bensdale? I think it probably is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I so, can't recall another one. Yeah, since since I've been secretary, anyway. Yeah. yeah, well, it's interesting. Like, even if you, uh, I know that um, as we as we talk, there's a an IMAC competition being held at uh, one of the other state fields, Northern Flying Group, and and the numbers there. Actually, a friend of mine rang me and said, "Gee, there's a whole bunch of new people," and there are that whole IMAC scene, aerobatic scene in Victoria has really uh, got a spring in its step, and it all stemmed literally from the president in Victoria or the representative of Victoria at the time he's now president of uh, of uh, the scale aeros uh, group um, Michael Andrisic he ran a come try day at the Pakenham field to come and try IMAC and that just sparked it all and the numbers went from literally about two people in the state actively flying IMAC to 13 14 people so it's not <laughs> you just got to give people the opportunity don't you and the come try day is perfect. And I love that you've gone and made an effort to promote it. And being one of the one of the thick plus sides that you've got, you know, on on your side is is you're in a country town. And what I find is that um, towns are always looking for things to do for the kids and that kind of thing. Because sometimes they feel a bit isolated, not being in the big smoke. Even though you know, I'd love to just live full time in the country. I think it's just a great lifestyle, but you can often get a better response than you can in Melbourne because people in Melbourne, just in the city, just keep on, they're just busy doing 
life in the city in a kind of way. But um, I think you'll I think you'll get the numbers. I'm I'm pretty confident you're doing all the right things. And I suppose being the first one, you'll learn from the experience and you'll be able to tweak it. But I'd love to see maybe you know, we need to share your experience from the day and then uh, feed it back to other clubs that might want to help and uh, run some come try days because they're perfect events. But uh, so that's. That's Saturday, 13th of February. If anybody's interested in going, um, what's the address of the field again? Oh, here it is. Uh, 1125 and Road, Goon, Nua. Now, the good thing about the the Bansdale Club, if you get on there into Google Maps and type in Bansdale District's uh, Model Aero Club, it'll actually show you where it is. I know that for a fact because that's how I got to Bansdale. And well done to the club for for getting in touch with Google and putting yourselves on the map, as they say. It just makes it easy. So jump into Google Maps and you'll be able to find it. Uh, what about lunch and things like that? You can run a barbecue. People can buy some snacks. There will be yeah, there will be some catering going on. Um, they may they may not have to buy snacks, but yeah, there'll be there'll be food there. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Now that brings me to the next day. So next Sunday, the fourteenth of February, you're going to run a foamy fun fly. Tell us a bit about that. It's something that other people have, have talked about running Foamy Fun Fly, but tell me a bit about the the, the, the Foamy Fun Fly at Bensdale. Yeah, so we've got quite a few members who just have foam models. They don't have your scale models, which is, a you know, that's what you normally would have a, well, we've normally had, you know, a scale rally. Where you, you come along with a plane that looks like a real plane. It doesn't matter what size and you fly it and have fun. Um, but, yeah, so the, the, the idea was, was dreamed up, we'll just make it a Foamy Fun Fly. And last year was our first one, uh, what was last year, it was the year before now, I suppose, was our first one. And there were some events, some fun events, you know, how many how many loops can you do, how many touch and goes can you do in a certain time frame. And, um, yeah, it was well received. And um, you'll notice this one is actually open to all aircraft, but the focus is foamy fun fly, but we're not going to turn anyone away who, who brings something that's not foam. Uh, I don't think that would be fair. Um, so yeah, it's basically just a gathering, just to have some fun. And as you know, the, the sail club uh, are pretty big on the combats, so that's that's sort of bleeding to our club a bit too. So quite a few of us have got the combat models as well, and that's a bit of fun, and it's a great spectacle for for the public who are watching when you've got ten to twelve planes up there with twelve metre streamers hanging out the back trying to kill each other. Um, good fun. <laughs> good fun. I, I, combat is a lot of fun to watch, and it's quite hilarious because. You know, we always hear about safety, 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 and and you know, combat's not that bad. But we're always trying to do our best to not crash our models. Except when you fly combat, you're doing your best <laughs> to try to crash your model, which I always find hilarious. But the models are pretty robust and easy to build, and all that kind of stuff, and people love it. So, and yeah, there's this, there's this rivalry between the clubs around the combat stuff, which is uh, good to see as well. Now, on the fly here that I'm looking at, uh, you really do a good job in 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 being hospitable to people. So, for example, things like camping um, camping is available at the field. You'll have the on-site catering. And then brings me to the other key point, which is your new 350-metre strip. Tell us about the runways at Bensdale. So it might be a little, a little bit misinterpreted there. The strip's actually still the same length. It's been mowed longer. Um, it was more where our fences were when it was originally set up. Um, they were a bit close, so that... That sort of worried the jet guys and the, and the glider guys because you want that big long approach or you want that bit of area if, if you do have a flame out that you can actually put it back down again so during covid very early on in it um, we pulled all of the old fencing down and extended it so now we've got 350 meters between the fences 
And yeah, it is so much better. So, so much better. You actually have to squint to look to see where the fences are now. Yeah, see, um, that's, I, I have this depth perception problem. I've hit trees coming into land, I've hit a fence coming into land, like a wire fence that just couldn't see the fence. And that depth perception of am I over the fence or not when you're looking at that, that angle when you're flying in always you know is a concern for me and i always say to people to clubs if you're going to have your runway don't run your runway right up to the the fence line because what you end up finding is that people have to compensate for the fence and then actually don't use the runway they're actually using they're losing half of the use of the runway in just trying to get over the fence so move the fence lines and out of the equation and then allow people to land on the piano keys kind of thing at the start of the strip now your main strip area is a matting, isn't it? Yeah, so right in front of the pilot's box. Um, I can't, oh, it's probably oh, it'd be 50 metres long maybe. It's uh, some conveyor belt matting, and that was more for the foam guys, the, the guys with the planes with the little wheels um, for, a, for a much smoother surface. But to be honest with you, the grass is that good around it now. Um, all the, Everyone flying the bigger models always uses the grass just on the other side. Um, yeah, it's... And I don't know what the longevity of that matting is going to be. So, you know, it may be grass one day. Yeah. Well, I'm not – having that matting down is great for, you know, yeah, the smaller wheels and things like that. I don't necessarily love the look of it because they're always bright pink colours. And every time I take photos – like if you have a look at some of the photos I've taken Bansdale, you can see the reflection of the pink on the, on the aeroplanes. is always pink tinge. So that personally, I love the look of the green grass there. But like you said, the grass is immaculate. So it's good that you got that choice to to take off the smooth strip or the, uh, you know, the matting or the um or the uh, the grass. But your matting actually is done quite well. There's some some clubs put matting down that's a bit rough and there's joins and things like that. Yours seems to be uh, pretty smooth from from memory. So it's a good job. But yeah, that flying space, that paddock is just a beautiful environment. You know, um, and especially when the grass is nice and green. How green is the grass at the moment? Yeah, it's it's all well, the strip. The strip of the area that we maintain is very good, um, and the cows are doing a good job on the other hundred acres. So that that's something that we didn't point out. That the, the the whole site that we're on is 110 or 12 acres, and we only utilise sort of 10 of that. Um, so you're always flying over our land when you're flying, which is which is great. And so you would just some of the other land let farmers in to to work it. Yeah, so the MAAA lease out that that other portion to a local farmer. Actually, it was actually the farmer who sold the land to us in the first place. Yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, that, that helps. I'm assuming it helps them pay the rates and and stuff to keep it going. Yeah, I think I think it works well. And a lot of the, the clubs are like that. Actually, all the state fields have got a component where they, they lease the land out. Even uh, like the Shepparton Club do the same thing. And it just really helps with uh, with some of the expenses. Even my uh, Packenham Club does it as well. Uh, you know, it's funny. We don't need a lot of space to have the club. We just need flyover space, and then you know, putting some cows in the paddocks just helps keep the land maintained. I think a lot as well. Like, you know, just having having it worked rather than overgrown. But uh, beautiful outlook. Now, you've got another key event. Like this, is what I love. So there's two two events over a weekend. You've got so you know that next uh, Saturday you've got the Come Try Day, then the Foamy Fun Fly on the on the Sunday. But then Coming up to the Labor Day weekend, the Labor Day long weekend down here in Victoria, 6th and 7th of March is the 2021 
action scale rally. It's one of the uh, the big fun fly events down the Gippsland way for the year. This scale rally down at Bansdale. This has been running for a while, hasn't it? This event. Yeah. So this this ran from oh, I think 2016 when the club first started. This was the first event that they had, and yeah, well attended. We get members from uh, Bega and Melbourne, Canberra. Um, well, lots from Victoria. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great event. Great it, event. it is a good event, and it, it's, it's, it's a good sign that it's, you know it's a good event when people want to make the effort to be there uh, and travel. And I think one of the good things about the Bensdale Field is, is all the camping facilities that you got, you know, with hot showers and toilets, and, and they're clean as well. It's not, you know, dirty, unmaintained sort of toilets and showers, that it's actually a nice place to go. What's that camping site like? Because can you bring caravans in as well as just tents and things like that? Yeah, so that's that's something else that um, that we've been working on. We've actually got a big fire pit. It's uh, it's starting to look a little bit like the Shepparton event, I think. And yeah, we've had up to four or five caravans there already. Um, we've got a few associate members from Melbourne who all have jets, so they they love to come up together and and camp around the fire. Uh, with great atmosphere, and I want to—I really want to encourage more of that because uh, we've got plenty of room. We could probably we could probably put twenty caravans there if we needed to. Yeah, so that area is maintained for for that purpose. Yeah, which is good, and that just makes it easy for people to come down. Uh, but you've also so this so there's a twenty dollar per night camping fee for this one. So don't forget sixth and seventh of March at the uh, Bensdale Field, uh, flying both days. It's just it's just a general fun fly, isn't it? Yep, it sure is. But yeah, a couple of awards there for um, similar to the Shepherd, I suppose. Um, for your, your your larger scale and your smaller scale, there'll be a Pilot's Choice Award. Which uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's just a, a good added little thing to do. So you know, well done there. And of course, there'll be a barbecue and everything going there, and everybody working hard to to keep you fed. And for memory, I think I had a great hamburger last time I was down at Bensdale. So it's a good place to go for a hamburger. And if you want to go and watch some airplanes, it's a good place to be as well. So. Uh, there is a pilot's registration fee for that one of $10, which is uh, goes towards the club and helping the the, uh, the facilities develop. It, it's like, we've already talked about three events and there's even another one, which is sort of the unofficial event, which is, I believe that the, the Victorian Jet Association is, is coming for a flight Bensdale in a, in a few weeks' time. Is that correct? Yes. Yep, yep. So they're coming the weekend after the, the come and try and the foamy fun flight. So the weekend of the 20, 2021st, I think. Um, and yeah, so they'll, as I say, they'll bring their vans and, um, it's not an exclusive, exclusive use day. So all of our members can still fly their planes, but yeah, there'll be some great, great jets to, to watch. And sometimes I don't mind hanging the transmitter up and just sitting back and watching because it's, yeah. it's a great spectacle. Well, it's interesting. It's, it's something that we discussed a while ago, isn't it? When, um, you, you we had a chat, um, a year ago, I reckon, or about how you're expanding the runway and how, you know, and I think I mentioned the jet guys are always looking for a place to go and, and it's good to see that come to fruition now and so quickly after sort of the whole COVID, uh, COVID issue. Um, you know, what's driving you to put on all these events and, and encourage people to the field? Oh, look, I just love it. <laughs> I, I, I've got a lot to do. Like, don't get me wrong, working full time and I've got a 100-acre farm myself. And uh, some thirteen-year-old twins, so I'm plenty busy enough. But uh, oh, I love I love RC flying and everything about it. So um, if we can make the club better and get more people into it, that's great. Yeah, 
but I think the, the interesting thing about you and my observation is that I haven't met anybody that is so passionate about putting on events and exposing the hobby to people. And that's just hand on heart honest truth that, uh, you know, there's people that say, yeah, they love events, but there's not many people that make the effort to go and put them on. And, um, and, and the chats that we've had has always been about how can we showcase the field? You know, I'm going to come and shoot a video for you guys and help out and in a bit of a, you know, giving, having a bit of a video to show everybody what the field is like that, you're constantly working to try to promote the club and promote the hobby, which is interesting. So, you know, from your perspective, what do you think makes a good club? Because you're, to me, you're, that's what you're working towards. But what, what do you, what do you think makes a good club? The members, really, the members make the club, and members who all interact with each other and engage with each other and. The camaraderie we have at our club, like any one of our blokes could go up and have a yak to another one and you could sit down and talk for an hour at any time of the day. Like they're all great people and they all put in. No one's no one's um, got a grudge against anybody else. Everyone's happy. Like why wouldn't you be? You're flying planes. Yeah, that's 100% true. But I, I think there's something in the water down there Gibson way because I get the same vibe when I go to sail at the sail club down there that um, – it was, it was, and my, and my, my, my dearly departed friend Ido Segev, we used to go down to sail, and he goes, This place is unreal. He said, I, I've, I've never felt so welcome at, at a club because, and, you know, if anybody flies 3D aerobatics, you know that sometimes clubs don't like you flying because they don't get it. And, and Ido experienced that a lot through mini clubs, and, uh, and, but at sail, he said, They were just so hospitable and they, they were welcoming and, and he loved that. And it's the same at Bansdale. There's this culture. I, call, I talk a lot about culture in clubs and there's this culture that I feel is down there in that Gippsland way that is just positive. And like you said, it's about having fun with our model aeroplanes. And I think some people lose sight of that in in city clubs. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that I noticed that difference between country clubs and, and, and sort of metropolitan clubs. And to be 100% honest, I love going to the country clubs. It's a different feel. I feel more relaxed. Um, I feel feel like that people aren't watching me to find a mistake that I might do, even though I'm really not making a lot of mistakes. Um, but it's just a, a a nicer environment for me to you know to go to these 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 fields out in the uh, in the country regions. You were you know you were a city guy to start off with. You know, do you think that that country life make, you know changes the vibe at the club? Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's got a factor. Yeah, well, I suppose everyone is a bit more laid back. There might be a few more pressures in town. I don't know. Um, there shouldn't be. There shouldn't be. Um, but those people that try and find fault, you know, we don't We don't really need them in our clubs, do we? Yeah, yeah. It is a challenge for some clubs and sometimes there's always one person that's trying to bring the place down because, you know, for their own personal reasons and insecurities, they sometimes enjoy having a go at committees and things like that uh how long how long have you been on the committee at the club uh so this time oh, i'm in my third year third year as secretary um and yeah i, I think there's going to be a few more to come there's no one's putting their hand up yeah uh <laughs> yeah, sometimes happens and i don't mind I, it's it's fine i'm yeah i i find time i find time somewhere yeah so I was, uh, there's another event that comes to mind at Benzels. Is it in may you have another yeah. big event yeah. what's, what's that one so the mid-May muster, it's the it's the Sunday after Mother's Day, and yeah, it will be just a, a fun flies as well, and 
anyone can bring any plane and enjoy the weekend. It's um, just because the events on the Sunday doesn't mean you can't come up on the Friday. Um, just need to let us know to let you in the gate or give you the code. So um, yeah, yeah, that's a good event. I think I've been any, to that one. And any, yeah, any VMWA members welcome. MAAA member is welcome at our club at any time. Yeah, well, see, being a, is it true that being a state field that anybody that's a VMWA member can can come along? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, anyone can fly. Anyone can come and fly who's an MAAA VMWA member. Yeah, no, it's um, I'm going to pencil that one in to to, to come down to that because uh, May's a great time of year, I reckon, to fly as long as you don't get a freezing cold weather day. But the grass is nice and green. Um, you're not getting you know hit by that sun. I keep on getting I'm getting sunburned at the flying field, which is terrible. And I do go and put the sun cream on, but sometimes I forget to reapply, and it, it, the thing wears out pretty quickly. And so. Uh, I'm enjoying, I'm looking forward to some cooler weather down at the field. I'm actually, uh, enjoy flying more in, in, in cooler months than in summer months. Whereas, you know, I don't know how the Queenslanders do it in the heat all the time, you know, with their models going wrinkly and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, I, that mid-May muster is a good event and you, you generally get a good crowd there as well. And it's, uh, it's a big one, uh, on the, on the calendar. So that's, that's another one. Are there any others later in the year or do you run them generally at the start of the year? That's normally normally the run of them. Um, we were having a daylight savings event, uh, which we probably will. So the end of daylight savings, I think that's was that October. Yeah, October. Well, the start of it. Uh, well, when it when yeah, daylight saving look. comes back in. When it comes back in, yeah, yeah, yeah it's it sort of October sometimes. Yeah, we run an event there. But look, it's it's more about getting the public into our field to have a look. And that goes along with what I'm trying to do with this come and try. Right? The more public events that we advertise, I don't care if we don't get too many pilots, but we want to get the public in there to have a look and then we'll, we'll gain more members and the, the, the hobby will flourish. Well, it's interesting. I think that um, when people run events, they have this expectation that it has to be the biggest thing since sliced bread, you know, that the numbers need to be big and we're going to run a come, come try day and we're going to aim to have 20 people there and all that kind of thing. But I always say to them that you're setting your expectations really, really high. If you get three people turning up to the come try day, that's three more people than you've ever had. And mm. it's, it's, if you don't put events on, then you aren't going to give yourself the opportunity to increase the numbers. And, and uh, you know, like you start with three and the next one's five and then the one after that's seven. And, it, and, you know, you've got to work through that pain and the hard work of putting on the events to build something that's attractive and keep on refining it. And I hope the club, you know, even if the numbers aren't great, and I think you will get numbers because you're doing all the right thing, but they've got to they've got to stay committed to it. Uh, and because you never know what's going to happen at the next event. You, what I do know is if you don't put the event on, nothing's going to happen. And I think too many people, too many times people are just too quick to say, no, that didn't work. Let's go to something else. Well, what's something else? And it's even, you know, you hear a lot of people saying, oh, nobody knows how to build anymore and they don't want to build. Well, there are people that want to build, but clubs aren't really, I've never heard of any club putting on something for builders, you know, running activities for, to encourage buildings. I, I heard, I had uh, a few weeks back on the podcast, Tom Laird from Scotland and, and he ran workshop sessions with people that wanted to learn how to build better and you know everybody would build the same kit they'd have to go and buy the same kit and then they'd build them together and be guided and you know because they were working them you know building them in parallel they could address the issues that were coming up you know whether it be which way does the balsa wood need to go and what glue do you use 
Um, I think that you've got to put this action in place. Now, yeah. s- speaking of action, uh, we, we, you know, we've all been through the COVID situation. How many models did you build through the COVID situation? Uh, well, I finished, I finished the Spitfire, so that needed from painting onwards uh, and, and fluid. I resheated the underside of Darcy's um, Cessna because the previous owner had, had a, a glow fuel leak in it. Uh, so we put a petrol engine in that one now. Um, and we bought two motorbikes. Oh, here we go, motorbikes. <laughs> oh, I bought one as well. And, and yeah. I'm currently, you know, having physio for a dislocated shoulder from a motorbike. But uh, why do we do such things, Tony? Why do we buy motorbikes? Oh, well, I started with the kids a little bit late in life, I suppose, and I'm, I'm trying to, to give him, give them everything that, um, that a younger dad would be able to give them. So... But yeah, trying to keep up with him on the motorbikes is, is, is wounding me a little bit. I'm I'm a little bit tired today, actually. Yeah, well, you, you told me before we got on air that you had a bit of an afternoon nap, and I said, well, I'd be probably the same, same as you because it is hard work. But it's interesting, you know. It always brings back to aero modelling and how we everybody that I've met is a pretty active person. Anybody in the hobby that I've met is a very active person, and we've got other interests. And it's actually interesting. I was I caught it with some mates the other day, and. One of them said to me, I don't have any hobbies. All I do is drive my kids to sporting events. He's got four boys. Uh, He's got a set of twins as well. And, you know, they're into cricket and all that. He said, I I found that I don't even have a hobby and I wish I had a hobby. And we aero modelers, we've got no excuse. (laughs) We've found our hobby. And then often, you know, like we're talking now about motorbikes as well. I always say we have to have a hobby for every weather condition. So, you know, if the weather's really nice and the wind's down, you go flying. Uh, and if it's cold and there's snow on the ground, you go skiing. And if it's windy, you go on sail, your radio control yacht. There's always some other <laughs> hobby that we can take up to fill in, make sure they've got every base covered, which is crazy thinking really. But uh, but that's it's always difficult. Now, how often do you get to find yourself at the field? Oh, look, I'm, I'm a, bit, a bit hit and miss lately. Um, I'd be lucky to get there twice a month, I think, at the moment. Um, just with work and and home life, it's uh, yeah. I work a lot of weekends. Yeah. Basically. So uh, if I can get our Wednesday, Wednesday's our midweek flying day. Um, but, you know, if I get that day off, the way the grass is going at the moment, it's like I get one day. I really need to do do some home duties. Uh, but like I said, I, I really enjoy the the building just as much as I do the flying. So uh, I also like fishing. So we spent the day out in the lake yesterday catching King George whiting, which was, which oh. was really good. My favourite fish, the King George Whiting. Yeah, so um, there's lots to do. Too many hobbies and not enough time. I need to retire. Well, that's the thing. I think that uh, it will come. And I, I admire the, the, the older gentlemen and, that are at the field and retired, and I envy them in a kind of way, thinking that, oh, wouldn't it be great? And um, you see them just enjoying each other's company. It's a very social thing for them as well. And, you know, there's some younger people think, oh, the old guys just come and sit around. But that's part of it. And I, I love to see them there and add to the fabric of the club and, and I, I really, really look forward. You know, actually, I got back into this hobby after, you know, from, you know when I, I did dabbled in it when I was younger. But I got back into it um, because I used to always say to a friend of mine, oh, when we're retired, we're going to fly model airplanes. And I, I just brought it forward about 40 years. And so yeah. it was it made sense. And um, and I'm so glad I did because it, it, it sort of adds, adds a lot to my life, I think. Now, you say you like building. Yeah. What, what models are on your bucket list? What would you love to build? 
Oh, well, I've got a, I've actually got something on the bench at the moment that I bought secondhand. So this is not a building, but needs a bit of work. I think it's your favourite model. The Super Chipmunk. I've got a 100-inch Super Chipmunk sitting oh. on the bench at the moment. Oh, did you, you bought that model that was advertised on, fa- or was it on RC I did, Traders? I did, yes, I did. Oh, you're a legend. That is a, that's an, oh, so, I love that plan. And you know, that's, that's a 1978 kit. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. He only built it 10 years ago. And it's got a composite fuselage. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And actually, a friend of mine sent me a message and said, you should buy this. And I'm like, well, I've bought enough stuff in the past year. I don't have any room. I'd love to, but I'm glad you've got it. That's awesome. And, you know, actually, it's interesting. I was talking to a friend about um, refurbishment projects where yep. you buy an old plane and you clean it up. And I was saying to him, because he keeps on buying ARFs, and it's almost every week he's buying a new one, and he builds them overnight. And I said to him, you need a project that involves more time and more consideration than just slapping an ARF together and taking to the field. It's like, you know, Groundhog Day, build the ARF, go to the field, maiden, go, look, here's me with my new model, right? And then a week later, you're bored and you want to go and build something else. Like, why don't you sink your teeth into something? How much work do you need to do to that model to, to get it up to scratch? That, that's uh, also, it's not much. Um, uh, I need to put switches and kill switches and stuff in it, um, batteries, and yeah, I, I really love that Pennzoil scheme. The, and you know, the only reason I bought this is because Darcy knew it was one of my childhood wishes to get one of those planes. And he saw it. And he saw it and said, Dad, look at this. You need this. I went, oh. Was it a good <laughs> price? Did it come with a motor? Yes. Yeah. It's a DLA 56 in it. So okay. that's only one. So yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be good. It's never flown. Really? No, that's amazing. Like that is, that is a great pickup. Um, because it did look really good, and it's a decent size as well. You know, yeah. that hundred inch wingspan. Well, is the composite still in good nick? Like sometimes they yeah. they go a bit yellowish, but is it still uh, nice and bright? No, it's fine. No, it's fine. Yep, yep. It looks, oh. it looks sound. It Are you looks gonna, sound. Can you bring that to Shepherd into the scale flying? <laughs> Please. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Darcy's, Darcy's on to me about going to Shepherd. Yeah, tell him he's right. Tell him to bring his Cessna and bring the yep. bring the super chipmunk. Um, so that already had servos and everything in it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I really want to see that thing fly. It's got retracts or not? No, no. No, it's that's bad. a fixed. Yeah, it's fixed wing. Yep. Isn't it? A fixed undercarriage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's got me excited. Now, what else? Uh, what else would you love to build? Uh so a P forty seven with a Moki is start saving. Yeah, I know, I know. And you know, when I've got time and I do retire, that's something I'd, I'd like to do. Uh, I do have a jet kit. Up in the container, yeah. which it's a it's a Jet Mac Super Sports or something like that. So just a trainer style kit with uh, you can have fixed or retracts, a retractable undercarriage, and yeah, I, but I sort of look at the I don't I don't really have the time. And seeing some of the jets you can buy now that are pretty much plug and play off you go, I think it's worth spending the extra money and buying one of those. Yeah, well, well jets have really come a long way, and um, yeah. Saw some great jets flying a few weeks ago at my local club. They had a bit of a bit of a get together, and it's just phenomenal the way that they can fly. Some of these sport jets, you know, fully aerobatic, and the, and how slow they can come into land, which is which has always been my concern with some of the more warbirdy style jets. How quickly you got to bring them in, but they they really look look quite easy to fly. And of course, the sound and the smell of them is is absolutely phenomenal. I'm, I'm gearing up and waiting for the weather to 
cool down and I'll get my jet jet uh, my jet wings get the maiden happening. So it's definitely on there. Yeah, you better video that one. Oh, look, yeah, actually, I will. I'll get somebody to video it because a lot of people keep on. Everyone, you know how many people are hassling me about not maidening my jet? And, <laughs> okay, for anybody that was having a go at me and thinks that I'm an idiot because I've mentioned my jet and I haven't flown it, well, I'll just like to remind you that we were in lockdown down here in Melbourne and I couldn't get to a flying field. So that counted out a whole most of the year. And then uh, the opportunity, I worked out in the space of two months, I had um, one day at the field because there were so many other things I had to go to. And then I fell off my motorbike and dislocated my shoulder. And people will say, well, how does it affect your flying? I can't carry the model out of the car. I can't. I can't put the models together very well. I'm getting better. I like I'll I'll be ready. You know, I'm 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 getting a lot better. I'm almost at the stage where I can lift up some of the heavy model, every model. So I set myself back, and then I had this other thing that I didn't want to go and maiden my jet in summer when the grass is dry because if something goes wrong, the last thing I want is the, the place to burn down. I slap my jet, in, which I don't think I'm going to do. I'm 100 percent confident I'm not going to have an issue. But I thought, and it's interesting that some clubs have brought in rules now that no turbine flying during summer, especially clubs that are that, that really, really dry out. I think Gippsland Way generally is a bit wetter more often than not and a bit of bit of green in the grass. But uh, I was at one of my other flying clubs and, the, and they're actually really strict on the use of lipos over summer period and having lipo wow. fires and things like that. That And, he, and he, he pulled me aside and said, I want to show you something. He took me to the edge of the strip and he goes, have a look at this grass. This is thick, like undergrowth almost in the grass that is as dry as anything. He said, that stuff there will go up in no time and it will just spread through the whole paddock and just make a beeline for houses and things like that. And he said, that's what yeah. we've got to protect. But um, So I'm doing the responsible thing. I'll get my shoulder right. I'll get... Uh, Get the cooler weather and get the green grass back, and then um, I'll probably go to one of the, the 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 Jet Association days and get my plane certified. So I'm looking forward to that. So maybe in March. That's what I'm saying. Probably in March. It's I. It's sitting in my office, so I look at it every day. And go, oh, this is unreal. <laughs> I just can't wait to get out. So everyone, it is going to happen. The right. uh, well, there's always one question that I end with in my podcast and, and I, I did give you a heads up like I do most people and that is what has been your favourite model to date? Okay, well, it's going to surprise you. When I took my bit of a break out of the model, I came back to the Bandstar Club on one of their um, action rallies or a rally day and one of the members had a plane for sale. It's a biplane and it was 100 bucks. And I thought, wow. That'll get me back in flying straight away. So I bought it, and it was a precedent stomp. Yep. A yep. 120, 120 Sato in it, and I loved it. It flew like a puppy dog. It you could you could land it like in the in the wind. It used to fly backwards. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing, and uh, and it was a hundred bucks. It was a hundred bucks. That's thought, a steal. That is no, phenomenal. It may have come. It may have come from a deceased estate or something like that at one yeah. stage. Um, yeah. So he was offloading it, and yeah, it was a fantastic plane. And unfortunately, um, did a landing approach. Did it came around again, and lost lost contact. And she just spiraled in. I was like, wow. So I changed transmitter brand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I've had a few go in with with. Uh, with the tranny I was using, so anyway, maybe it wasn't its fault. Maybe it was mine. I don't know. But the uh, 
it's funny, like it is this recurring theme when I ask that question, that it's not always the you know, the latest and greatest plane that people have. It's it's a plane that enabled them to achieve something like getting back into the hobby, you know, uh, or a model that they took to the world championships and that allowed them to go there or went to a great event, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, there's, you know, I, I look at a plane that I've got, actually, I've never really talked about one of my favorite planes, but I've got a, a 3D Hobby Shop 72-inch extra. It's a 30cc uh, aerobatic plane. And that plane means a lot to me because I became a 3D Hobby Shop dealer on the back of that model that I was looking for a 30cc. There were none available and I ended up sourcing 3D Hobby Shop and bringing container loads in and selling them. And so it, that was the spark that's that brought this whole new experience of different planes in the Australian market and events that I ran and and it's a phenomenal plane. I've still got it. Touch wood, I'm going to have it for a long time, but it's just a great plane to fly. Absolutely love it. Maybe I'll bring it Ben's on. Wiz to the sky yeah. with that one. Well, Tony, I, I really appreciate you joining me on the Flat Out RC podcast and and really, really mean this, that uh, thank you for the work that you're doing for the hobby, especially down at Bensdale. You know, we've had numerous chats and it's always about, you know, uh, promoting the hobby and promoting the Bensdale club and, uh, you know, you're doing a good job there to get to get the members behind the, the events as well. And as I said, there's all these upcoming events, and I'll just give them another plug. We've got the uh, the Come Try Day coming this weekend, the 13th of February, starting at 9 a.m. The following day, we've got the Foamy Fun Fly. Uh, just bring a Foamy or, as you said, any plane. And then on the 6th and 7th of March, two-day event, the 2021 Action Scar Rally, which is is going to be a big winner. And normally that that March long weekend is always a touch wood. We always get pretty good weather on that weekend. So hopefully it stays true. And if you want to camp at the field, you can uh, bring your caravan if you want and bring your scale aircraft. And don't forget, keep an eye out for the mid-May muster in the middle of May as well. So Tony, big thank you. Big thank you to the Bansdale Club for, for giving us these opportunities to get back into it. And I'm so excited that events are happening in 2021. Thanks, Andrew. About to leave. Already packing, come with me. I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. About to see. That's all I have for you today on the Flat Out RC podcast. Big thank you. Episode 40, we got to uh, the big 4 0. I'm looking forward to getting to 50. I know it's going to be here in no time. I've uh, got another couple of guests lined up. Uh, lots happening. So, I hope you're getting out there and flying. And if you're not, jump onto the Flat Out RC YouTube channel and subscribe whilst you're there. Flat Out RC. Uh, just search for it in YouTube. And don't forget our Instagram, Facebook page, and website still up and running, flatoutrc.com.au if you want to send me any messages. If you've got any suggestions as to guests you'd love to hear from, both uh, locally here in Australia or abroad, uh, please get in touch. And, and for any people that are any clubs out there that are running an event, events and uh, want a bit of a plug, please send me a message. Either get onto the Facebook page if you're on Facebook and send me a, a private message, or get onto the Flat Out RC uh, website and and get, go to the contact page and just tell me what's going on. And uh, you know, I, I know there's some great events. It's another big event coming up in Tinkan Bay in Queensland, a big uh, sort of large scale aircraft event and. Uh, I'm going to try. I'm coming for you. Whoever's responsible for organising that event, I want to have you on the podcast because I really want to find out more and see what's happening up at Tin Cam Bay, a place that I 
had the opportunity to visit a few years ago. So a big thank you to everyone for joining me once again. Big thank you to Tony Wilson for getting online, having a chat. And don't forget, lots of uh, events happening this weekend at the Bensdale Club, Club, the Come Try Day on Saturday and the Foamy Fun Flight on Sunday. So stay tuned. Hopefully they go well. Well done to the Bensdale Club. Talk to you next week.